Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Seward, Alaska today, where according to Olympic champion Lydia Jacoby, I am touring polar bear fight clubs. And I'm not going to argue with her because she's an Olympic champion. So uh, we've got some fun stuff coming out of let's, Seward. Let's play a game. Coleman, how <laughs> cold is it where you are? Uh, it's, I think it's in the 20s. It's not that cold. Barry, how cold is it in Chicago? I think it's in the 20s here too. I haven't actually okay. checked today yet. It's 44 degrees going up to 52 in Philly. So I guess I'm the winner. <laughs> swim, swim, editor-in-chief Braden Keith. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, has the warmest weather. Screw you, Braden. And we're joined by Swim Swim numbers expert Barry Revson from Chicago, Illinois, as well. Uh, official title now, numbers expert. Numbers dude. I'll take it. <laughs> Man with the calculator. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. World champs. What the heck is going on? <laughs> it was canceled. It was postponed. Now we have a new one in 2022. Let's let's start there, Braden. Initial thoughts on 2022 Budapest World Championships. This is such chaos. I I kind of love how this came about. Um, you know, the 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 story is that basically they were talking about doing World Cups, also overlapping with the ISL, um, and the Hungarian president. So not the, not the head of the Hungarian Federation, but the head of the entire Hungarian government looked at them and said, well, why not just give me a world championship meet instead? And they said, okay. Um, and so FINA is, is, is making a point and insisting that it's not a scaled back meet, but like by definition, it's a scaled back meet because it's the same venue that hosted 2017 worlds, but it's a third of the capacity. So they're not building, you know, too much of a giant extra grandstand and they're spreading the events out at different pools. Um, but I, you know, I think the sense I get from talking to people is that most people are happy that this is, that there's going to be a 2022 Worlds. I think most people were keyed up for it. There can be some quibbling about the timing. Obviously the ISL isn't happy about it. Um, I think most people are still hoping that 2024 worlds will just somehow go away that the Doha meet by the time we get there that will be past the pandemic and they'll just look around and say nah never mind we don't need to do this anymore um I don't see that happening if they still think they can collect their hosting fee which is somewhere got to be somewhere north of 10 million dollars um but you know I think this is a good thing overall for swimming to have a world championship this year I think everybody's ready to have one again um, it's just the, it's just the crunch that's causing problems. There's too many meets and too short of a time. The wild thing for me is that, you know, now we're ending up with having what one world champs every year for the next four years, mm -hmm. right? So this is, this is your opportunity. You know, if you're an Emma McKeon to start racking up those world's medals, like a video game. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with like metal comparisons going, going forward, right? Like in the nineties, you know, if you're Alexander Popov, you had two in the whole decade. And now we have, we're going to have like six in this decade. It's yeah. I, I don't know what to do about that. I leave mean, I love the, it as a spectator, but it's kind of weird. Leave it to the data guy to be annoyed about how this is going to impact the data models. <laughs> that's a, that's a great point though. I hadn't even thought about that, but I mean, you know, when you're looking at swimmers legacies, that's, that's a big deal. <clears throat> well, and it's four and four years, it's four long course in four years yeah. plus how many short course. 
another Maybe. three. Right. We had one in 21. I think there's one in 24. 20. There's there's supposed to be one this year though maybe early next year and then 24. <laughs> Ugh, I am exhausted just thinking right. about it. Emma McKeon, this is your chance. <laughs> you can own swimming. Yeah, <clears throat> That'd be awesome. I I'm it's still gonna be. I mean, the big question now is who's gonna prioritize what when the ISL <laughs> is is making noise like they think they can lure swimmers away from the world championships to compete in the ISL, but the ISL, I don't know how they're going to be able to, to compete in the overlap. I mean, I just don't think there will be enough swimmers to fill the meets. Um, and they're, they're saying they're standing by their schedule and FINA didn't consult with us. I don't know. Obviously. why. They would, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they would expect FINA to consult <laughs> with them um, based on, on the relationship on both sides. Um, but it's uh i don't know how they're gonna do that i know they have high hopes but i don't know if it's gonna happen yeah i mean that this would have been like the big opportunity to have you know the your simone manuals and your katie ledecky is like the big world swimmers that haven't done the isl or like sort of in in ledecky's case to actually do this season because they didn't have an alternative but but now they do so i did recently happening i did recently sit down with katie and she said flat out i'm not doing isl um which yeah i you know i'd been like hey you kind of did it before do you think you'd do it again she's like i'm focused on long course (laughs) i'm I'm not gonna do short i I might do short course one day i don't know when that's gonna be so it's a long course short course issue not a ISL per se or at least that's that's how she's presented (laughs) yeah she said i you know if world champs are happening this year i'm doing that yeah, I mean, I guess all the athletes at the moment have an easy out because it's short course, but I wonder I wonder well, what they'd say if it went to long course. Now they have a super easy out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was really curious about that too, Braden. It's like now, will they have enough swimmers to have teams? You know, will the teams be like G League teams? Which is for already a in bit of problem. June and July, right? Yeah. Um, that's... It, that'll we already saw guys swimming like 10503 is last season so where are we going to go from there <laughs> so that brings us to a really good point of they announced the pro versus semi pro option ISL did uh basically pro you have to go to all the matches and you get a salary semi pro you can miss x number of matches i'm not sure how many it is but you don't get a salary three. you only get you prize money three. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think this is look, everything the ISL has done and they, you know, this year, like every year, they say they've changed management. They've brought in new people to fix things so far. We haven't seen much impact from that. So if we, we move forward, that ISL is still ISL. They they're going to emphasize this without permission clause. So it's going to continue to be they're going to publish a set of rules, the reality of what happens in practice. If Caleb Dressel says he doesn't want to come to a meet, they're still going to give him his $10,000 and more because he's Caleb Dressel and they need him for the rest of the meets. So, you know, it's, it continues to be this sort of league management unilaterally decides who's worth what. Um, and that makes sense in some regards, but like, don't publish this nonsense. Don't put it out. If, if that's how you're going to operate, right? Like, it, it just, it, it, again, it further erodes trust with the fans. Like the fans just don't have any, any confidence in the integrity of the competition. Like, I don't think that the ISL told 
an official to DQ Lily King at finals last year to make sure that energy standard won. But when you've already undercut the confidence in your own rules, like how can you blame people for taking those shots? Do you think, do you think that in practice and theory, like if the ISL did actually stick to their guns on this one, do you like this idea of pro and semi-pro options for athletes? I do. Um, I don't know how Barry feels about it. I, I, I guess I like it, but this is not the year. I mean, it, it's, I just don't see it working this year because these athletes federations still pay for their training, for their housing. A lot of them get stipends. They pay for their coaching and these, the federations, if they're going to keep spending that. And by the way, in a lot of these countries, it's taxpayer money that they're spending. They have to expect the athletes to show up and compete for the nation right? Like they, they can't continue to fund all of these athletes costs, um, to have the athletes go and represent the London roar when they're from Estonia or wherever they're from, you know, that just, that model doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this rule. I haven't really figured figured it out yet. Cause I'm, I'm not entirely sure what problem they're trying to solve. Um, you know, I guess the problem they're trying to solve is just like people showing up to the meets, but I don't, I don't know if this necessarily does that if, if this like is sufficient incentive um to to do that so I, I don't know how well it'll it'll work in practice i'm i'm still kind of neutral on it i suppose it almost feels like athletes are going to be pushed into a corner where it's either you commit to everything but if you can't commit to everything then just throw your hands up and say i'll show up when i show up and there's no there's like no real recourse right like i know the semi-pro contract has certain requirements, but like, is the implication that if you don't meet the semi-pro requirements, you're not going to get your prize money either? Because like, that's the end of the league if they do that, because they're not, I mean, I just, I just don't see a world where they get this level of commitment in this year. I think the interesting yeah. thing is going to be like, so if you're, um, if you're someone like Tom Shields, right? Like, do you, which of these choices do you make, right? Like you're, this is a guy who's going to make a lot of money from the ISL, you know, does he choose to go pro or, or does he choose to go semi-pro? And, and if Shields is going to be a guy that goes semi-pro because he needs the flexibility to do whatever, then, then I don't think the rule is going to work out very well because, because Shields is certainly the kind of guy that they would want to be like a pro, right? Um, and well, so, and what's, what's been interesting to me about this is they're, they're saying $13 million this year, right? So they've, if I understand this correctly, Barry, they've reduced prize money and they're making it up with a higher salary, right? And for and so it's it, they they've reduced prize money per meet for sure. Um, even though there's more total prize money or more total money, but the reality is because that, it's a longer season, right? Right. The reality is that the thirteen million dollars assumes all of the athletes sign the $10,000 pro contract. If they don't, this, I mean, th this all of a sudden becomes a pretty bad deal, relatively speaking for the athletes. And, and again, the, the, the ISL has eroded the trust with the fans in favor of the athletes. I wrote this editorial earlier this week. And now if they start to undercut their credibility with the athletes, um, even further on money because a lot of the athletes are still upset. I know Tom said he understands the money thing, but a lot of the athletes and general managers 
are still upset about the money thing. So if they continue to sort of erode the confidence in the money, they're going to start losing the athletes and then they don't have anything left. Well, they they have the same thing left that they've had the past three seasons, which is one billionaire founder who's willing to bankroll the whole thing. But like, that's not a commercially viable entity. So, so I think what you said checks out there, right? Because it says the total prize pool is going to be about $6 million. Mm-hmm. The prize money pool is about $6 million, but the total money pool is thirteen. So that leaves $7 million. Divide that by 300 athletes is about twenty k, which is right in their salary range yeah. um, on, the, on the low side. So, yeah, that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah. So do you think uh, ISL will come back and change their schedule at all? Like, do you think it's – do you think they would now at this point just scrap that first part of the regular season that's in the, that's in all of June um, and just say, look, we're going to do it kind of like we did last year. We'll start in late August after all the major meets are done and then go through December. Well, Rob Woodhouse, who resigned from his position with the London Roar, said that this is one of his biggest issues and he thinks it needs to be a compact <clears throat> five or seven week league. Um, and he said that that's a position that he has support on. And I do, I do think that makes sense. I think the breaks are terrible. I think it's a, it's a pain in the butt for athletes. Um, we can see the audience disappear after a break. I think we've talked about this before, but like you, you just kill your momentum with a month or two month break in between chunks, especially, especially when the outcomes of the meets never really mattered much in the first place, or were kind of predetermined in the first place, I should say. So I don't know. Um, their, their initial response was we're sticking to our guns. They seem to have softened that because some announcements they were going to make this week, they have pushed back now. Um, so, you know, I, I can see their feelings being a little hurt by the world championship announcement and them wanting to kind of buck up to that a little bit, but I think um, cool. I think cooler heads may be prevailing, and they may be sort of reevaluating some of the things they wanted to do, um, which is good. They should be right. Like that's been a criticism of the ISL to this point is they decide on something, and no matter how bit it, bad it is, they go with it. You know, they they want to institute a new rule this year that um, won't have any ties in races. In in like why there's no reason to um there's no reason to not have ties they're going to decide whichever swimmer has performed the worst so far that season wins the tie um and i don't know what problem that's solving but like you know it's an example of the isl sometimes does some things that nobody else understands but at least here if they are reevaluating i i would almost i would be like a proud father that they they have stepped back and thought about something and made a change. Yeah, the tie rule, proposed rule, I I super dislike, um, especially as like the guy that scores all the all the meets uh, for for swim swim. It's like you know we're we're going from a system that's very easy to understand. Like the jackpot rules are complicated and the checkpot rules are complicated, but like you could look at each meet in a vacuum and compute its score without knowing any history, uh, fairly straightforwardly. And now suddenly. Uh, you have to track everyone's rating in every event in order to even compute the score of a meet. Um, and the rating <laughs> system is not great. It's not something that people understand uh, very well. And it's, it's not something that even has like really predictive power over how good people are in events. Like 
I think if, even if you look at last season, like Zane Grothy was rated higher in the 400 free than Kyle Chalmers was in the 100 free. And even like Kyle Chalmers was rated lower in the 100 free than Anna Hopkins <laughs> in the 100 free, um, just because he swam it less, right? So that, that already like isn't a great starting point. And then like, we're, we're just going to arbitrarily, like ties are something that people understand. Like you tied, you should have the same outcome. That's, that's what it means to have a tie. And now suddenly we're just going to arbitrarily decide the worst person wins. It's like, can you imagine if the way that the Bills Chiefs game was decided in the playoffs was that, oh, well, the Bills had the worst record. So I guess they won this game. Like people already hate the NFL overtime rules. Like the solution to that problem isn't to like make it worse. I don't think. Um, I mean, I just like, there's, yeah. It's, it kind of feels counter to what they've said, right? Like in your NFL example, it's like the, the away team advantage. So you've said that the, the team with the better record gets an advantage of being at home but you would give the win to the road team because they were worse. The ISL has justified their rating system. There's a few cases. I, I think what Zane Grothy was the top rated 400 freestyler in the league for a long time. And it was because a lot yep. of the 400 freestylers either weren't swimming the 400 free very much or weren't racing at all. That was their response to that. And so they obviously like that the rating system rewards athletes who show up more. But like now you're going to you're now you're going to go the opposite way and you're going to reward the athletes who show up less in the case of a tie. And there's not that many ties. It doesn't make that big of a difference. But that's almost like another point against it. Like, why? Why do this for the one or two ties that you see in a meet with? And most of them are like sixth or seventh place. And we already know that, like, nobody's paying attention to sixth or seventh place. So, like, I just I just don't get it. I don't. I don't is, get what they're doing. Is that their way of trying to add parity? Like, in, in, is that the problem that it tries to solve at least? I don't know. Like, don't know. there aren't, right? Like, Brady said, there aren't that many ties. You get like maybe a couple in a match. Right. So we're talking about a total swing of a few points. Five points. <laughs> every meet is decided, almost every meet is decided by 100 points or more. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe it maybe it breaks ties with money. Maybe it's just easier <clears throat> for them to calculate the money if they don't have ties. <laughs> so, so we're gonna. It's, it's way take it for me. It's way harder to calculate with this rule than, than it is <laughs> with just the normal tie rule. It's a lot more work. So we're gonna see how ISL pans out. I'm curious as to your opinions on. Another big schedule announcement, uh, which is USA Swimming's, they finally released their response to this 2022 World Champs yesterday. We've got, so they canceled Des Moines, and then World Champs was announced. So now they've got a a pro swim, same weekend as Des Moines in Chicago. We are keeping, so I I was talking to Lydia about this last night, and she's like, it's going to be really weird to have NCAA's end of March a month later, world trials, and then two months later, world champs. I And it like you have a pro swim at Mission Viejo in the middle of that. You have the San Antonio pro swim the week after men's NCAAs. It's all kinds of weird. <laughs> so how do you think this is all going to play out for U.S. athletes? I kind of get it. Um, you know, I think they could have pushed back world's trials two or three weeks And I think that the fact that everybody had, I think most people had sort of written world trials off of their calendars um, by this point. And so, you know, I think that would have given them the opportunity to move it back. But, you know, even the pools that host those big meets have other schedules, have other scheduled events and people who have paid to reserve their pools. So we don't know about pool availability. 
And, and, you know, it would be a lot of administrative and organizational headache to move the meet by three weeks. So I guess in some regards, I don't blame them much. I, I question the timing of all of this. And I'm sure USA Swimming feels the same way about like, you know, announcing that it's postponed and then two weeks later announcing there's a new one. It just, you know, it just seems to inject unnecessary chaos, but knowing how it came about, I don't know how they could have avoided that. Um, the pro swims, it's, I don't know, it's all going to be different, right? It's going to be weird, but that's kind of what this year is going to be. And we're all just going to have to roll with it. Um, you know, I think, I think it's going to be another year of context to the times like last year, everybody who didn't swim well, excused it with COVID. And I think this is just going to be another year where it's, you know, when people don't swim well, it's going to be, well, this year was screwy. We don't, we don't really know how to do this taper. Um, advantage to swimmers like Lydia. So good for her. Maybe, maybe this motivates more swimmer, more pros to stay around for the extra triad, not a quad, the triad, um, because they can, you know, they have a little bit of an advantage over the college swimmers. Um, I don't know, whatever. It's going to be weird, but I, I, I'm okay with it being weird. Barry, you have any thoughts on this one? I mean, what do, what do schedules even mean anyway? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for like the next announcement. Uh, maybe worlds are going to get moved to March next week. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, it, it, it's hard to know what's going to happen at this point. Uh, I, I, did you say there's going to be a pro swim in Chicago? Did I, did I hear yeah, that right? in Westmont at that new FMC. Oh, that's cool. All right, I might go to that one. Yeah. Spoken yeah. like a, a, the true father of a newborn baby. <laughs> What do schedules even mean? <laughs> Truth. Yeah. The yeah. So it's gonna be screwy. It's it's like you said, Braden, it's something we've never seen before. I was hoping it would be a little more original <laughs> if we're already going with something we've never seen before, but hey, <laughs> we'll we'll see how it all pans out. Um listen, we've talked enough. We had one more thing on the topic, but I'm gonna just cut it because I want to play some sink or swim. So let's sink or swim. First up on sink or swim, Kate Douglas swam the number. Let's see, she's now the number two performer in the 200 yard breast all time. I think she swam the number three time all time behind two of Lily King's performances. Is she gonna swim this at NCAAs? I am sinking it because I think Virginia has this meet one. I think, I think barring disaster, you know, there's always a, a COVID caveat um, to any prediction these days, but barring disaster, I think Virginia's got the meet one. And I think it's just so in Virginia's ethos to throw their best swimmers in the biggest races in the biggest race for her on day four is, or the biggest field is the hundred free. Um, even though Kate Douglas could win it, um, I I just think I think they want her in the the show stopping race. I think they want her to beat Maggie McNeil and Tori Husk and whoever else might swim it. Um, so I'm sinking it. Yeah, I kind of agree. I just think the hundred free is going to be just such a marquee lineup that you know I I want to see her do the two hundred breast because I I just want to see if she can get that two hundred two and like. You know what, what can she even throw down? But I, I also, I mean, if if I'm just rooting as a fan, like I, I, I don't know how you could root against that that potential hundred free lineup. So I, I, I just think that's going to happen. 
So you have to say sink or swim, Barry. <laughs> Sorry, all right, all right, fine, fine. I'll, I'm sinking. I'm sinking the 200 breaststroke. I'm sinking. Sorry, I'm sinking her swimming the 200 breaststroke. I'm definitely swimming the 200 breaststroke. <laughs> so, the uh, the I I talked to Todd. I was at UVA, and I was like, "Do you know what Kate's swimming in NCAA's?" He's like, "Nope, <laughs> we don't know yet." I like. He's like, "I tell all the athletes swim what you're most excited to swim," <laughs> and uh, so we don't know yeah. what she's swimming yet. Uh, they thought that she would want to go for the, they're like, we kind of think she wants to go for the record, you know? So I'm swimming it in hopes that she goes for the record and that Gretchen Walsh can clean up in the hundred free. Next up, we've got an NC state Florida showdown, but not in the pool, uh, on the internet on Fortnite. They they've got an eight V (laughs) eight. tournament uh going on today i think uh wednesday at 7 a.m i don't know if there's a twitch stream if there's not that's a travesty 7 p.m coleman uh so did i say 7 a.m yeah but you're on alaska time so Sorry, yeah it's seven it's 7 a.m here so i'm i'm a little loopy uh who, who you guys got nc state or florida for 8v8 Fortnite tournament i'm taking nc state i you know they just seem like cooler to me as like individuals this is not like a commentary on which team is better. will that will that aid them in Fortnite? i don't know <laughs> they just they seem they seem more like into the culture at least on social um which leads me to believe that they spend more time playing Fortnite. um we're pretty sure like they run the sussy swim account and you know that leads me to believe that they're like deeper within the worlds of people who play lots of Fortnite? So I'm going to take NC State. It's totally scientific. This is so. This sort of so out of my league. I am. I am such an old man. I've never played Fortnite. I don't. I don't know how to gauge this. I. I mostly see game developers uh, on on Twitter just complain about their lives. So so I'm I'm sinking both of them. Uh, but uh, no, I don't. I have, I have no idea. I'll take Florida just because Braden took NC State. I'm, I'm going to take Florida as well, mostly because I was also just there and they did some of the, after one of their practices, Kieran Smith walked up to me. He's like, you going to be here tomorrow? I was like, yeah, I'm filming tomorrow's practice. He's like, okay, good. Today was kind of Florida boring practice. I was like, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> and so I think, I think in Gainesville, they need entertainment and therefore they, they play lots of Fortnite is, is my guess. And so, uh, I'm taking Florida <laughs> for, for the win. <clears throat> so we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to see that one. Uh, Luke Hobson, eight forty three one thousand free at a dual meet. Texas is looking real good. Texas. Well, Texas men are looking way faster than they normally do in season, which is exciting in and of itself. Luke Hobson broke the 17-18 national age group record in the 1,000 after breaking uh, Phelps's 500 free nag at midseason. So I know this is a little out there, but do you think Luke Hobson can take an NCAA title this year? He's, he's top-ranked in the 500. He's looking really spicy in the mile. <clears throat> do you think it can happen? I'm... I'm going to swim that he can because last year we didn't necessarily see the mid-distance freestylers 
swim their a lot of them swim their best times at NCAA's thinking Kieran specifically um I don't think he will I'm going to think that he will um you know first of all we have to acknowledge in spite of of all of Eddie's success in the last few years they haven't hit NC their NCAA taper perfectly every year so it's not like a given that he's going to be faster than the 409 that he already went um in in you know, I just think the races are too deep. I think Bobby Fink has too much momentum. I think Kieran Smith and Bobby training together gives them too much power. I think the Georgia guys really want to prove something. I just think the race is too deep. And, you know, we've seen star freshmen before sometimes shirk in those moments. We've seen them have success in those moments, as in last year's 500 free. But, you know, Carson Foster was a counterexample. So I'm, I'm going to say sink it for this year i'm sure he will win a title at some point in his career though yeah i agree with that like you know between between kieran and jake mcgahee in the 500 and and bobby fink and Brenniger in the mile like I, you know it's 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 too much for him this year um i eventually yeah i think he'll eventually win an ncaa title probably more than one um yeah but i i'm, I'm sinking that this year swimming the big 12 title though I think he's going to get that one. <laughs> Big 12 title. <laughs> um, bold, yeah. Bold prediction. Will he be faster at Big 12s than the winner of the SEC title where Texas will be before he graduates? Right? Is that uh, maybe. I, I, think, I think his senior year, they'll be in the, in the SEC. 2025. Let's go with it. I might sink that too, but it's so nice for once to, to be like, you can't say American distance swimming is lacking, right? Like for once it's like American distance swimming is looking real good right now. Um, And so it's nice that we can even have this discussion. I I mean, I would, I would swim it for shock value, but I I don't think he's going to win a title this year. So I'll, I'll sink it as well. Uh, Ledecky versus Dressel 800 meter freestyle are a lot of our fans picked Ledecky 58% said Ledecky would win in a head-to-head match I asked Mel on the phone one day and he's like what are you stupid of course Caleb would win <laughs> and I was like oh hot take percentage wise uh what so what do you guys think Dressel or Ledecky I think shaved and tapered Dressel wins suited shaved and taper I think in season it's very very close um, I, I think a long course 800 in season, I still think Dressel wins, but it would be pretty close. I think, it, I think that the long course in season time would be pretty close. I think a shave tapered suited time wouldn't be super close. Yeah. So he's been four flat in the 400, yeah, um, which is nothing. not like, yeah. But right. so is Katie. Um, and, and so is Katie, right? So like, I, I think, I think it'd be interesting. Um, but you know, if we're, if we're thinking about like dream Ledecky race scenarios, like what I would really love to see from her is like, you know how in track and field, they sometimes have rabbits at like major meets to, to push mm-hmm. the pace. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, uh, I guess in swimming, we'd call them dolphins or something, but like someone go <laughs> and just like push the pace for Ledecky and like there's so few people that can even do that so maybe for an 800 like you need a four by 200 relay of people going like too flat to push her that's that's the race I really want to see like you know what can she do if there's anyone actually near her 
in, yes. in, in this event. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, if it's shaved and tapered, I got to give it to Dressel. So I think in season, Ledecky takes it. I think we've seen her beat men in the mile and 800 in season at any season meets before, <laughs> like, like almost all of them. And, uh, I, I don't think Dressel could throw down an elite 800 free time in season. I do think shaved and tapered. If he was like actually focusing on it, he could take, he, he could take her, but you've got to be so intense. Shaved and tapered, right? Yeah, I would. I would think he could do. Well, yeah. I don't think he's going sub eight even in a perfect scenario. That's a hot take. Is it? What uh, you know, sis? I don't think it's that hot of a take. Eight oh four. I think is the record. Yeah, eight oh four. I don't. It's probably not that hot of a take. I mean, eight eight under eight would be would be project immortal worthy. <laughs> Um, I mean, our, she might already be at Project Immortal. Who's <laughs> right. who's going to go anywhere close to that time in my lifetime? Yeah, <clears throat> touche. Uh, moving on to Wugs, I am super curious <laughs> when they put out this article about like now they're fielding options for a college team, like a full college team, to come represent the USA as in like the Texas men or the Stanford women or you know whoever. I'm super curious <laughs> as to if that would ever happen with any team, like, you know, wh- 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 at what team would it stop at? What team would actually hit like the, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> well, it comes down to who's paying for it. Right. I still am not fully clear on why USA swimming isn't sending a team, especially since they made that announcement when they thought there was no world championship meet. I think, um, I think what, what what I was told is that they only budget for one WUGS per quad, and that's usually the WUGS that's the year before the Olympics. But we send a WUGS team. Could have been wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, but, you know, uh, I hope this happens. I think it would be a really cool way to do this, and it would remind everybody of, like, the purpose of WUGS, which is sort of this – global unity about college students sort of thing so i'd love to see um you know them send the core of a team whoever wants to go and um you know supplement fill in some gaps with some other swimmers i think that would be a lot of fun but again i think it's going to come down to who funds this because this is not a cheap trip okay so sorry yeah i was supposed to make this a sink or swim do you think that i mean sure you can like fill in a few holes here and there do you think we will see majority of an entire college team go to compete at WUGS? I'm going to sink it. I just, I think the the appetite for traveling to China for international sporting events right now is pretty low. And there's already been some weird things happening at the Olympics. And I think, I think USA swimming will probably encourage its athletes not to go. And I don't know, I'm going to sink it. I think there's just too many hurdles to get over for it to work. Yeah, I, I'm gonna sink it for the same reason. Like I think I think specifically the location makes it make it such a big difference. Like if it was somewhere else, like in I, I mean who knows, maybe next week they'll announce that they move this one to Budapest too, um, as seems to be the trend. And and in that case, I think it'd be super cool if we went all the way down and had like, you know, Kenyon or Emery uh, you know, send a, a send their team um to to walk so i think that'd be pretty cool um but yeah i just i'm not sure it's gonna 
if that's well, actually going to be a thing. Interesting question. I mean, as as Olympic sports in the NCAA, as we get more and more afraid of them disappearing, um, world university sport might become more important to these teams in the long term. You know, that might become a new governing body, a new structure, a new source of funding. So maybe there's a long play here that somebody needs to buck up and send a team. I I'm well, agree with Barry in that I would love to see a D3 team or a D2 team, you know, go and get to represent Queens the would country. Go. Jeff Dugdale would 100% <laughs> go. Without and a doubt. Email us the next day telling us about how his team is basically a D1 team because they went to Lugs. Well, they aren't, aren't they going to maybe be a D1 team soon? <laughs> we did, we did report on that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, that would be super fun. I, it'd also be super fun to see, you know, the Cal or Texas men or the Stanford or UVA women just go and be like, uh, we're going to wreck it here. So that's that. Uh, I don't think it'll happen either. Yeah. It's too many hurdles. I would love to see it, but doesn't seem very likely. Like this video, follow us, subscribe on YouTube. Thanks.